Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Jason Just Ate a Cinnamon Roll. Babe, are you really going to keep this up every time? Okay, first of all. What a glorious thing to do. Great. No, I'm to not. Eat a I'm salmon supporting roll you. Every time we record. Well, can I eat something cool? Now, is my waistline going <laughs> to uh, stick the to more, its normal The more, size? quote unquote, successful the podcast is, <laughs> the more your waistline reflects. Everyone's like, go to two episodes a week. And I'm like, oh, I can't, can't do it. I can't, do, I can't eat that many cinnamon rolls. One a week is. Now, do I get to just choose a cool thing to eat before? No, you, you judge up the outfit. That's what you do before yeah, each episode. I want a food thing. Ah, interesting. We only you, you get know, you, outfit or food. Okay, fun fact for everyone listening. Yeah. Yep. In our relationship, we have some real food jealousy issues that we, we really do. Like a lot of food jealousy. Yeah. Like yeah. when you like eat something that's like indulgent, let's say, yeah. like then I get jealous and I'm like, well, I want it. Yeah. Or yeah, like yeah. if you like sometimes. <laughs> I call it secret snacking, but it's really just <laughs> it's that not. It's I just work. Sna- I'm just snacking. You're just snacking, but I work in the office. And so the kitchen is separate from the office. So every time, like at the end of the day, I go into the kitchen and I've like discovered that you had like <laughs> chips or something. And I'm like, oh, we're just secret snacking yeah. now. And you're like, it's the kitchen. Yeah. Like I was in the it's kitchen. It's also the different way that we operate. Like yeah. you're so laser focused into a task. You could work on it for like five hours yeah. without looking up. Right. And I'm like every hour I like take a break to go to the bathroom also, or get a drink or also, you know. This is a real issue. Let's just let's just turn this into <laughs> our out. issues. Air it out. Is like we've had this fight for probably ten years of how you're like, I'm t- basically twice the size of you. Right. So I should get twice the serving of food right. as you. And listen, there's some truth to that. Now, That's I don't fine. think it's necessarily twice. I would say uh, it's you, like you you really I would say two fifths. I should get two fifths more food than you. That means that you would have four fifths. So you think it should be no, three fifths to two fifths. It's an it's an equal amount. Okay. Yeah, three fifths to two fifths. Okay, but it's never that. It's t- it's usually <laughs> two thirds to one third, and the difference between three fifths to two to, to two thirds is quite a bit. Oh man! So this, this has is been this food great. jealousy with fractions. <laughs> Caroline and Jason, yeah. learn some math and also air out your own weird oh. psychological issues via. Food. Holler at us on Instagram or at our email. Hello. Do you have any food jealousy things with your partner? With your partner. Are you guys just like, is there is pizza the thing? You can't eat. For, you have to get we, two separate pizzas. We cannot share a bowl of popcorn. We can't. For the life no, of we us. we have to have two separate If it bowls. was to save our marriage we and, have to have and we bowls. had to share a, a thing of popcorn but like without fighting, it would not happen. I remember. Do you remember when we used to go to movie theaters? Do you remember those? Movie theaters? Yeah. You'd you go, it's like you a basically big place almost broke screen. up with me. You were like, I don't think I can We would get a girl. large tub of popcorn. Yeah. Like the, just the gigantic, yeah. like human shouldn't eat that much size uh-huh, popcorn. Uh-huh. And the whole time you're digging your little feral hands into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, stop eating so much of my popcorn. I'm literally picturing myself as a ferret. Just like, <laughs> okay. Also, I said feral and you said ferret. So it's a feral ferret. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess I associate feral yeah. with also, ferret. Also, if you had ferret-sized hands. Can a hands, ferret be feral? If you, yeah. If you had ferret-sized hands, I'd be fine because they're tiny. And you could only mean? get so many kernels at a time. But no, you have those gigantic hands. What does hands. feral mean? Like wild. Like a feral like cat. A, exactly. Or a feral ferret. Or a feral ferret. <laughs> yeah. Except here's the thing with popcorn is like 
I wouldn't even eat that much because my tiny hands, I, this is where the two thirds, one third come in. My hands are a representation of how much we should eat in this oh, relationship. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know those weird like human things where they're like, the size of your neck is equal to this double the size of your waist. Have Whoa. you heard that? No. Yeah. I've seen a lot of a lot of my Poshmark research okay. has, oh, okay. has been like, hey, if, if you're wondering if something will fit your waist, basically fold it in half and try to put it around your neck. And but that's I feel like, like you have a very thin Well, neck. that's why I'm like, I don't know, because yeah. I don't. Like it seems really feasible to me that you could have a disproportionate yeah, yeah. neck to waist yeah. ratio. Yeah. But maybe you can't. Anyway, it's one of those things where I feel like it's like the size of your hand is equal to the food serving right. that you should have. But what I was gonna say about the popcorn thing is the problem is that you have such large hands that you'll take such a large handful and then I feel like I have to compensate. So I'm I'm a frequency, mm. but not a quantity. So are you gonna get finger implants? <laughs> <laughs> Just for the popcorn? Yeah. Wow. It's like the one COVID doctor's appointment you do. <laughs> Had to do it. First Had to of all, get finger. finger implants is really <laughs> yeah. taking me like to Gattaca. a visual place. It's like Gattaca where they do the shin implants. Do you remember that in Gattaca? Oh my god, I forgot yeah, about yeah, yeah. Gattaca. The shin implants they like make them taller. Okay. We should add Gattaca to our list. Our we, classic movie night. Yeah, list. but I watched it it's like dark. a couple years ago, and it's it's too just too real. It's oh well, yeah, maybe maybe it would be even too real, but it's also just like. What? I don't know. It's just kind of like shrug worthy for me. Like really? I don't watch that movie. I'm like, wow, it was great. I'm glad I watched that movie. I feel like that's a real it, like. I think that's a All good right, movie. You can put it on the list in the future. Okay. Well, if you guys didn't know, we watch two quote unquote classic movies every Saturday. We've done this now for, I think, almost a year. Probably a year. Uh, which means every we've Saturday, watched basically. over 100 movies in the past year just on Saturday nights <laughs> combined, which it's is our fun. favorite thing. Yeah. This weekend. And we have separate popcorn. This bowls. weekend. Well, as of recording, this weekend we have. Fast and Furious 4. Yeah, we watched the first three. Gems. We're, we're all on gems. a real We're going to go through all the Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are a little bit less classic because now we're getting into the 2000s. And what's our second one? Uh, we have to look at the list. Yeah, we do. I'm thinking maybe something with Denzel, like early Denzel. Mm, we haven't, there's, we, a, there's a lot. Oh, yeah. To we watched some early Denzel Kurt Russell, catalog. Wesley Snipes, a couple like of those. That era. Mel Gibson. Harrison Ford. Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll get like a young Denzel okay, and something. Love it. All right. Now that we're uh, six minutes into this episode, <laughs> we haven't even talked about the thing that people clicked on this to actually listen to. What are we talking about, Carol? We are going to talk about how our fears have changed over time. And we're going to go mostly business, and then we'll do some life, uh, stuff. life stuff toward the end. But if you're someone, I mean, I just think fears in business are a very normal thing to have. But if you're someone who um, has your own business, whatever stage of that you're at, I feel like there are different fears at different stages. I don't know if any of these, I mean, I, I'm sure some will resonate with you, but we just thought it could be fun to talk about like things that we were afraid of when we first started our business that we're no longer afraid of, but then how kind of new fears develop. And maybe you'll be able to kind of plot your own course according to our little business journey and some yeah. of the fears that we I have. I hope it gives you listener listening to this while you're doing whatever you're doing. The listener is listening? They are. They're little feral ferrets. They're listening. Uh, <laughs> feral ferrets listen. It's our little feral ferrets. Little feral ferret listeners. <laughs> is that our new podcast listener name? Dax has feral the ferrets. orange cherries. Other people have other things. We have the feral ferrets. It used to be the muffin tops. You remember? Mm -hmm. The old muffin. That's a big shout out big if you guys remember. I really hope that you guys can listen to us talk about the fears that we used to have, and maybe you're in that place where you're experiencing those fears right now, but then you can hear us talk about we're past them. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're in a fear space, it feels like you can never get out. Right. The fear is so powerful, it's paralyzing, or you're actually doing the thing and you're confronting the fear, but it feels like it's never you're never going to get past it. Yeah. So that's what I really hope we kind of help people walk away with in this. Absolutely. And Email us and let us know if we do. And then there's some fears that you may never get past and you just have to learn how to 
work with them. Yeah, which we'll get to as well. Anyway. All right, so we both started our business journeys actually at nine to five jobs, but who gives a shit about those? (laughs) Let's talk about- We ignore that. We both- had client service businesses. Yeah, I just want to give people the lay of the land. So we're going to kind of break this up into three sections. First section is like the, what we call the client days when both of us had client businesses. Second section is when we moved into doing products like online courses. And then kind of the third phase is like wandering gameplay phase that we combined businesses. And so what are the different fears that came along with each part Ooh, of that journey. We also have both written published books. Mm-hmm. We could talk about if there's any fears associated with that because that may be something... I, I've actually been hearing a lot of people recently be like, on my bucket list is I want to write a published mm-hmm. book. And I think for a lot of people, like I, we don't even think about that now because we've done it and maybe we thought about it a lot more before. Mm-hmm. But that could be interesting to touch on that. So we'll keep that in the product section we can think about that. I think that. that could be its own episode, honestly, like just our experience. Oh, well, for sure. Well, maybe if people let us know if you email us and tell us, wow, I really want you guys to talk about books, then we'll talk about, we'll it. Talk about it. But if you don't, <laughs> then we're not going to do it. <laughs> okay, All right. so client days. So yeah. so what are some of the fears that you had during yeah. those days when you were servicing clients? I'm going to be truthful and honest. I can't remember exactly what that was like 14 years ago. <laughs> However, there's one that stands out. Mm-hmm. And I know you have more, so maybe we'll bounce I'm back and forth. I'm just a more fe- fearful person in general. That's true. Do you want to bounce back and forth? Or do you want me to go first? No, you can go first. So my biggest fear, and I remember this distinctly when I was on calls with clients, was where am I going to get my next client from? Mm -hmm. And am I going to get my next client? And I remember really early on when we were just getting started, we, you know, I was emailing the contacts that I had, which was like 40 people. Let's be honest about how many people it was. And half of those people were probably family members. The rest of them were business acquaintances that I met through connections, through going to a conference Mm -hmm. or whatever. Now think back to 14 years ago, this is pre-social media. This is, I mean, even blogging was not, there wasn't much of that going on in our space at least. So Getting in touch with people was kind of difficult. Like you yeah. really had to go to physical events and things to do that. So I remember I didn't want to go to conferences and things, but it was always the best way at that time to meet people, get some business cards because you actually had business cards at yeah. the time. God, and, business cards are a big and deal. follow up with people, be in touch. And and I do remember there was one guy that I ended up meeting in a conference. His name was Brian Balfour. And Brian ended up being a connector to me to like four future clients. Oh yeah. We never worked with Brian. <laughs> Which is so yes, funny to did. think. Yes, did. No, not not in my design. Oh, in your business. design days. Yeah, but it, it, it funny enough, it would it came come back, back around, around for our shirt. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that was a really good introduction. And and the, I will say the one thing that I learned that eased that fear. So every time I was on a client call trying to land the deal or whatever, or even when we got a client and like their retainer was running out or the project was coming to a close, I was always like, "Great, how are we going to get the next one? Like, where is it going to come from? We have these, you know, we have our bills we have to pay. There were mm-hmm. three employees at the time. Well, how are we going to do this?" And it got a little bit easier the more I built up a referral network of people. Yeah. And that referral network was small. It was like 10 to 12 people that had paid us. Mm-hmm. But I could always go back to them because they trusted me. And I could always say, hey, do you have any work uh, that you're looking to get done? Do you know anybody who's starting a project you can introduce us to? Or do you just know anybody interesting we should meet? Mm-hmm. And that has been my go-to for anybody who wants to do client work and is like, oh, I need to drum up some money. It's always go back to your most trusted people that have either paid you money or you have a good relationship with and ask them if they have any referrals. Yeah. Because you would be shocked how many people... They know somebody looking for someone, but they don't proactively think to go out and reach out to you because maybe they haven't heard from you in six months or a year or whatever. Yeah. That actually makes me think of like a what I think a good piece of advice is because I think of what you're saying about that fear of where is my next client going to come from? And you're what you're saying is like you almost need to create this engine that can be working for you where 
it, you're you're not just having to refill a bucket every single time. And I think about that, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I think about that with revenue too. Like when we finally got to a place where we weren't like so fearful of where every dollar was going to come from in the door is when we started to do things that had recurring income or passive income or these things where the engine is is working behind the scenes you know, and you don't have to pour into it all the time. Yeah. And so I think that's just a good piece of advice is like if your fears are around scarcity of any kind, scarcity of clients, scarcity of money, focus your attention on things that can be working for you as an engine behind the scenes. An affiliate program, um, pouring into your clients, like really going above and beyond for your clients. One, one day a week when you do client outreach. Yeah. And it could be not active clients, it could be previous clients and just staying in the know with people. And so much of that that you have now that I didn't have 14 years ago is you can be putting stuff out on social media. You can be writing blog posts, you new stuff. And we did a whole episode on why we don't necessarily think you need social media. So there are plenty of other ways to do it, but it just becomes prioritizing that yeah. engine revving, seed, uh, seed planting is what I was trying pleed to say there. Planting. Pleed planting around here. That's our feral number ferrets, one. You know. Yeah, you're feral ferrets. They you know, know about the pleed planting. You know about that pleed All right, what were you afraid of when you had clients? Oh, uh, everything. <laughs> Um, I, you, you were, you're like, I can't remember that. I'm like, I can remember the exact feeling of feeling fearful couple that come to mind. The biggest one is obviously pricing my services and sending out proposals. I was so terrified every time. And it actually made me think of a story because for every story of like pricing my services, doing this whole proposal, sending it out, being fearful and someone saying, great, when can we get started? Because that happened quite a bit where those fears were not founded. Like people would be like, okay, we can do that. But you have one. Do you know what's right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a friend of ours and they wanted to redo their branding and their website. And so at this point, I wasn't like a super experienced designer, but I had had a couple of projects under my belt and I felt like, you know, and I had shared my work. So they knew kind of like what my work looked like. And this is why it's like so hard to work with friends too, because it was the friend's business. And then it was another friend of ours that worked at that business. Yeah. And I remember putting together a proposal for them and saying, here's how long it would take me. Here's what the deliverables deliverables would be. And you pined over this estimate. Like, it's not like you just whipped together an no, estimate. This I was, was so, you spent so much time. I was so fearful because that's the thing, right? It's a friend, but then also it's like, I do need it to be worth my while. And I, and I wanted to be like a quote unquote smart business person. Like I wanted to make it worth my time. And so I worked so hard to like put this proposal together. And of course like my natural disposition is to undersell myself. So it's not over the top. Um, and I send them this proposal and they say no. A friend. Not even did they say no. Not even, yeah, they they said no because of the price. Yeah. They said, no, we can't justify spending that. Yeah. And it crushed and me. And we're not talking about like a $20,000 estimate No, I either. think it was probably in the three to five 5000 I yeah. think, yeah. And it crushed me. Yeah. It was like my biggest fear realized. Yeah. Because not only, so so let's dig into like where that fear comes from. When you send out a proposal, at least for me, the fear of putting that price tag on your work comes from this place of like, oh, are they going to think that I think I'm like so high and mighty to charge that, you know? Like it's the fear of judgment, the fear of somebody's, it's so funny when you actually have to deconstruct it because oh, you're yeah. like, oh, it's the fear of someone thinking that I have value. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's really what God, it is. Man, I, I don't want someone to think that I value myself. <laughs> yeah. That would be so embarrassing. I don't want someone to think I'm really good at this thing. So yeah. they should pay me the fair price that I think oh my it's God, worth. It's so bizarre. Yeah. But it was like a realization of that fear. And what I just had to 
I'm actually so glad that that happened because like anything, once once you're confronted with the actual fear, not just the fear in your head, you actually go, you know what? Like I survived that. Yeah. Like and- it sucked and it emotionally like it hurt for a couple of days, but I was just like, I I, I came to this place where I was like, I don't think this is a me thing. I think this is a, they're just trying to save money and this, it has nothing to do with me. They had a number in their head that they wanted to spend. And frankly, they probably thought that they were going to get a, you know, a discount or a great deal by <laughs> not working. Not when you're dealing with Jason Zuck. Not with Jason Zuck in the background going, no. Add a zero. <laughs> Add two zeros. <laughs> and so I think that was an important step though in my journey to like experience that rejection. Same thing. I've told this story before about doing a hand lettering quote from Adobe for um some some pieces for their i think it was their conference and i quoted them a price and they said no which that's also too expensive. was not that expensive yeah but again they were tr- probably yeah. trying to find artists that they could get a great quote-unquote deal on yeah. and the thing is if you're with pricing if you're going to charge what you're not what you're i hate saying what you're worth because what you're worth is not your work but like if you're going to really hold your boundary in terms of pricing yourself at a rate that you can actually live on you have to you have to hold that boundary and you have to be willing for projects to get turned away because they're not willing to meet you at that level but I think there's a strength and an empowerment that comes from holding that boundary and saying you know what this is what I decided it was and that's okay if they can't pay that. Yeah. One thing that, that I think I saw from the outside looking in as you were doing client work cuz I kind of watched that entire journey unfold. Yeah. is it just client work was never going to be right for you. Mm-hmm. You care too much, not necessarily about what people think, but just about people. Yeah. And so sending money proposals, it really rubs you the wrong way. Having to set boundaries with people, it can be really tough for you. Um, you know, any of these client interactions, like having meetings with people that disrupts your process, like all this stuff, I think it just, it really shows you and anybody listening to this who might be doing client work that you're like, uh-oh, it me, uh, you might realize that client work is not the answer for you and that you might be better served not actually building a client-based business because there are too many things that cause friction in your life that it's not a healthy th- way for you well, to go. Well, that's what I honestly realized is like, that's when a lot of my anxiety stuff started. Yeah. And I was like, I, I actually don't think that I have like the right constitution for this. That and Starbucks breakfast every day. <laughs> yeah. There was a time where we were- oh, Every man, day. So much. Every, geez. Like for sure that shortened my lifespan, 100%. Yeah. But like, Eight yeah, ago, no, I think that's a really good point. Like, like you said, it just, I think maybe there's some people out there who- these fears consume them or they're so anxious all the time or they, and it's like, yeah, you can get better. But also if this is causing like anxiety and stress in your life all the time, maybe it's time to start thinking, get a nine to five job. Yeah. Go work or for like, somebody else. Or maybe, maybe I really need to prioritize getting into the product game or, and that's what I did. I was like, yeah. okay, I got to do this because I actually can't live like this. I have to sneeze. No, don't do it. Drop it. Don't do it. <coughs> really? We have to keep that in now. People have to. Oh God, we're gonna literally have to feel. People are gonna have to disinfect whatever they're listening to. <laughs> Guys, right now, if you could just take out one of the wipes, <laughs> we all have wipes with us at all times now. Please wipe down your device. We're actually not sure if coronavirus can travel through Podcasting? the airwaves. Yeah. Oh man, that's I'm not just good. Kidding. That's God, dangerous. No, no, don't was, start that. That's actually not a good joke. Okay, okay, let's move into product stuff. Okay, so those were a lot of the fears with the client era. And then, good segue because because of some of those fears, I said I gotta get, I gotta make pivot, gotta get to get, gotta pivot. You gotta get to get, and that was pivoting into products. And so I remember my very first course, 
Some of you have heard me tell the story many times. It was a $20 hand lettering course. Let's talk about the biggest fear, which was charging more than $20. (laughs) I Jason was like, you, this is, it kept me up at night. I know. And I was like, I honestly just, it's my first one. And I was so afraid of people again, thinking your value that I valued myself. That's my (laughs) biggest fear is that other people see that I value myself. Honestly, I've been meaning to tell you this. Yeah. You You're really not valuable. Sh- well, no, you just shouldn't value yourself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're I... valuable, but you shouldn't value no. yourself. Uh, I, I do want to immediately say that this is one of probably many situations in our relationship where I was just, oh man, this $20 decision, like this is gonna be a bad decision. Like, why did you do this? That course has gone on to make over a hundred thousand dollars, and it worked out. I want to well. also say that was not a fluke because yes, some of it came from my fear of not wanting to charge more. It also came from a strategic perspective, which totally was totally this is a hobby course, and I had the good sense to know like if people are just trying to get started with hand lettering, like I, I asked myself how much money would I pay for a course that's just getting started on a hobby, and I said twenty bucks. And I wanted the barrier to be super low so that I wouldn't have to promote it hard. And it worked out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were there were a lot of months in the early stages when it actually became a passive income oh source of like those, four I, to six thousand dollars. I will never forget those first months. Like I remember visiting your grandparents in um, over Thanksgiving or like near Thanksgiving and looking at the Stripe dashboard and being like, oh my God, I just made forty five hundred dollars. Over, like with, in passive income. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, those were the good old days. Those were the good <laughs> old days. Um, yeah, so I think that there, everybody deals with the fear of pricing when it comes to digital products. Mm-hmm. There is just no way around that. And I think the thing that we've really learned over time is you just have to understand pricing is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It is made up. It is just you are deciding on a price for something, even if you're comparing it to a bunch of other things that are like 2900 value. Somebody made that somebody up. Somebody makes that shit up. And it's not anything like your price of $300 or $250 or $20 bucks or whatever, as long as you feel good about it and you can sell enough at that price point to meet your financial goals, whatever those are, those could be a hundred, you know, you want to make a couple hundred bucks a week, whatever that is then you you decide on that price. And we talk about that all the time with Wandering Aimfully members is this is the very counter advice to I think a lot of people who are in the business coaching space. The biz. Where they're like, maximize your profits and charge your full worth and all of these things. <laughs> and we're just like, how many of these do you just think like you can sell? Good. How much do you actually want to make every month? Great. Then divide those things and figure out your price. Yeah. And test it and yeah. see. Um, I also wanted to say one of my biggest fears in those early product days, even with a $20 course, yeah, yeah, yeah. was somebody asking for a refund. Oh, yeah. And I, you never forget your first one. Yeah. And I still remember the woman who emailed me who bought my $20 course. And she said, by the way, let me just as a caveat say, <laughs> we are not phoned in people. No. I think I've established pretty well at this point that I'm a people pleaser. And so this little rinky dink $20 course, like for what it was at the time, I just went so far in trying to make it. I'd say worth $150. <laughs> Arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. But like, I just want to make that yeah. clear that I see some courses these days and it's like three lessons that are seven minutes long and or it's $120. I'm like, thing, I don't understand. The worst thing. We're going to call them out. We are going to call them out. The Google Doc. Yeah. This is the least we favorite. We have a pet peeve about that. Least favorite, quote unquote, online course where someone writes out a Google Doc 
does a screen share of the Google. I don't care. I don't I care. I know. We, I just, this is our opinion. And you well, guys. Well, first can... of all, don't say our opinion. Oh. You, you have your own opinion. And oh, okay. then I'll decide if I want to agree. This is my opinion. Uh-huh. That is the most phoning it in, not delivering over, like value for the price that you, especially some people charge hundreds up to a thousand dollars for a I'm, Google Doc that you screen share. I'm all about like <clears throat> here's the, my caveat to that. <laughs> Let's go on a tangent. I'm all about an MVP, right? Totally. Minimum viable product. If you have an idea for a course, but you don't really know if your audience is going to like it, so you just want to do a Google Doc with the information. You don't want to take all the time to like design the slides and record the things. That's fine, but charge multiple hundreds of dollars for a google doc i just it really bugs me yeah and there's no right way to create a course but i can tell you the wrong way screen sharing a google doc I, now i know what the devil's advocate like response to this is can you do a devil's like, advocate voice? well if it's sol- you do a devil's advocate voice oh a voice not yeah, a face, not a face. A face. No, no i said voice uh well i have a counterpoint okay great yeah <laughs> i can't talk in that That's voice fine. for the whole time yeah, yeah. um <laughs> I like how my devil's advocate was like so meek though. He was like, oh, I, can I just suggest a yeah. counterpoint? Um, I will say that the the opposite of that or like the counterpoint is, okay, but if it solves a problem, then you're pricing it around the problem it solves. So like if I make a course about how to land a $500 sponsorship, it doesn't matter if it's a Google Doc. If I tell you how to do it and it works and you do it, then it was worth the money. It's fine. Okay. But do better. Do better. Give someone a good experience. Yeah. An experience that just feels just meaningful. Just because you don't have to make it a good experience doesn't mean you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's a great soapbox tangent. Yeah, that was a good little tangent. But my po- going back to, I got a, um, I got an re- email from a, a woman who request. said this was, she literally said these words, this was not worth the money that I paid. Yeah. Um, I would like my money back. I was disappointed. I think she used the word disappointed, which is like right dagger to the heart. That's a trigger word, trigger word, trigger word. Gotta go right to therapy after you get that email. And so, again, it crushed me. Yeah. Um, But now, it's like I could get 10 of those emails a day and I would move on. Like, honestly, no problem. And I know there's somebody listening to this who's like still in that place of like, that is my worst nightmare is someone who says, I need a refund. This was not worth it. Because it's your, again, your worst fear realized. You have all these self-doubts while you're creating the content and then somebody confirms that by saying, but the truth is... Your, your law of numbers, you're going to have somebody yeah. who thinks that. And you I, just are. I honestly think that if you're getting multiple refund requests. Then think then, about it. Then, yeah, yeah, there's something that needs to be fixed. There's something that's wrong. There's something that you need to improve upon. If it's a very rare random right. one, then it's that person. Which is so funny, right? Because, I mean, yeah, I had probably sold for three months you know, $5,000 worth of the, of a $20 course for three months. And then this one email comes through and I'm like, that's it. I'm yep. taking it that's off it. the take market. It down. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. Redo the course. The 1500 people who've signed up for yeah. it. They were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. Everybody else is wrong. I think that's a really important point. The tip of the podcast. <laughs> I haven't done one of those in a while. Uh, is you really do have to compare the positives yeah. against the negative. Because it's usually like one or two negatives versus like a hundred positives. And it's so easy for our little feeble human brains to go, "Mm, but one or two people don't like me. I'm bad. As opposed to like, but a hundred people are really happy. I'm good. And that's just the game that you play when you're selling anything or when you're selling your services or whatever. Um, And you're going to, I don't think that goes away. Like to me, that's something that comes up with clients, comes up with products, comes up with software, memberships, whatever it is that you sell. You're always going to have people who are going to be angry or whatever. And you have to make sure to go, yeah, but how many people are happy? Mm-hmm. How many people do I not hear from that seem happy? So yeah, 
so you were going to talk about another thing besides products was like when you created Tea Tree for the first time. Oh, so yeah. Well, so when my uh, online pro- digital product journey started with an online course, I looked around at all the course platforms. This is 2013. And I was like, all oh, these are junk. And also they were expensive back then. You had to pay per user. Mm-hmm. So like if I created a course, every user that signed up, I would have to pay money yeah, for it. Yeah, it's kind of funny because like, when you think about it, Tea Tree taking an early stance on that, oh, so the early. whole market has like kind of yeah. shifted to like. Not I just thought it was anymore. garbage because you yeah. don't pay for an extra cell in the database. Like it doesn't yeah. doesn't charge like that. Uh, so anyway, when I built the first version of Tea Tree, it was a WordPress site. Uh, I had a developer take a Photoshop file that I put together in four hours, and that I just thought this is what an online course could look like. And funny that that design has persisted all the way through, which we need to retire. It is it is an outdated design. But it at this served point. me well. But it absolutely served me well. But I was afraid in the beginning beginning that people wouldn't see the vision that I did with how a course and how information should be displayed. Well, yeah, you're, you were kind of flying blind, right? So yeah. it's like this fear of like, is this even going to resonate? Is this even going to work? And are people going to go through this and go, oh, I learned something because of how this was set up? Like mm-hmm. this was, you know, and and I do give myself a little bit of credit. I was a designer for many years. I'd worked, you know, looked at tons of different software applications. It wasn't like I was just one day going, I just want to design software. Yeah. Um, I'd actually thought it through a lot and had some experience. But I do remember being really fearful of showing it to people and being like, okay, people are going to roast me on this. Like, they're not going to say it's good. Like, you know, this is a waste of time and money. And then tons of great feedback. Yeah. And actually, when I showed it to people, I didn't ask them for feedback on the platform. I asked them for feedback on the course content because I was kind of afraid that they would say the platform is terrible. And like, why would you do it this way? So you didn't even like bring it up. I didn't even bring it up. But then everybody wrote back and they're like, yeah, the content's fine. What platform is this? And it was that was the spark that led to actually turning Tea Tree because I was just going to have it as my own little plug-in thing, yeah. which is really funny because our friend Matt Diavella just launched his own quote-unquote course platform. Plug for slowgrowth.com. Hey. Uh, it's slow growth, right? Yeah. Okay. But he he just launched his own, and yeah. it's, it's that. It's exactly yeah. what I did many years ago where you build your own WordPress site and you can spin up different sites and things, and, and it's your own way of making courses. But I think that what I learned in that process was if you can push past those fears of when you're especially creating something new or creating something different, maybe you haven't seen before, it is just really important because if it does work, then it can be a ripple effect for so many things. 100%. And so for us, Tea Tree is becoming something that's going to take over probably 50% of our income here in the next year. That is so cool to think about. Like so many years later, I mean, yeah, we have an entire business and half of our income stream based off of you pushing through that fear and saying, okay, I'm going to make this. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that when it comes to just online courses, so we can kind of, so like that's that part of it of just making the thing. And I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that. But actually getting into online courses, I think is something we can touch on. Mm-hmm. And this kind of touches on a little bit of maybe what our next topic is too, which is getting lumped into a group of people. Yeah. And this is still, I would say even a fear that I haven't been able to shake. Like I still Put think- Put your that, legs on my legs. Yeah. Yeah. That's cute. Thanks. Um, I still have this fear all the time, which is that, and more and more as these, like what I, what I, what we call internet marketers, but like, I understand we are also internet marketers, but like, there's this very clear segment of people who are, it's sort of where the internet marketer, kind of like bro marketer person who is just sell, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle meets the sort of like life coachy sell you the dream thing of just like you can have anything you want and all you have to do is believe in yourself and manifest it and it'll show up and it's like i'm not trying to like you know judge those people it's just like we happen to believe that there's a lot of nothing that's being sold out there and sometimes i get 
kind of, I guess my fear is that people will look at what we do and say like, are you even doing anything? Like, yeah. are you even selling anything? Because I, all I see is like a similar type of thing and you call yourself a coach and like, you're just basically like an MLM. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, I, I do think like probably there are some people in, in our spheres or like even friends from high school or college or, you know, and it's, it, life is not about what those people think, but I'm sure there are some of those that are like, okay, she's a, what a business coach, yeah, like yeah, yeah. online business. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it, it is a really interesting thing to grapple with, right? Because you're afraid of getting lumped into that group of people. But if it's also something that you know in your heart and you've seen it happen, that you do create change for people, it's it's an undeniable thing to be like, yeah, but this is what I am. Exactly. Like for and me especially, yeah. I've been a business coach for probably the, the past eight years. Yeah. It's what I've done the most. Yeah. And it is, I don't like being lumped into lifestyle coaches. Not that there's anything wrong if you actually know how to do that and you're teaching something tangible, but I don't like getting lumped into the people that are just selling garbage. Regurgitated information yeah, and, and, and trying to maximize every dollar. And That's the thing the that I, I always like. come back to for us that really helps alleviate that imposter syndrome fear is, but we've built businesses. yeah. So we can teach people how to build businesses because we have done it. And businesses that don't business, we have built businesses whose revenue does not solely rely on teaching people how to build businesses. Exactly. That's the, that's the kind of like weird pyramid scheme, like, you know, cyclical thing. Yeah. That's the difference to me. And again, like I, I recognize that there is a – like I'm not trying to be like, oh, we're on a pedestal. Like we're so different is than it them. a pigeon poop pedestal? Yeah, but no, no, we didn't – Well, they we touched on it. We did? Yeah, a little bit. I told, I explained people the metaphor they missed out on of Oprah was the Eiffel Tower. I don't think you did. Yeah, no, I did. I did. I did. And then we were like a pigeon took a poop and like the next height the of that Eiffel poop Tower. next to it. That was our influence next so, to Oprah's influence. Right. That's the, that's the pedestal height that we is a pigeon poop is pedestal. A, is a pigeon poop. So I understand. I'm not trying to put us on a pigeon poop pedestal compared to those other people. It's just the the truth of the matter is I do think that there are people who are taking advantage of other people. And I, for us, I like the fact that we teach people tangible skills yep. and that, you know, we've seen enough people be able to change their lives and run their businesses that I know that we do what we yeah. teach actually has an impact. And, but you know, that's just a fear that I don't know will ever go away is and it's it goes back to that whole fear of how people perceive you and you just have to learn how to not care yep. what people think about you or think about what you do yep. and as long as you know that you're making a change and as long as you like the work that you're doing and you like the life that you're living as a result of the work that you're doing yeah and, and I think there's a anyone. there's a big difference for us too in just seeing the return on what we've taught people is like the case studies on our sales page. Those are people who've all built businesses that are separate of building businesses like we've built. So like Michelle, who does a whole bunch of like digital planning and like that type of industry stuff, which is great. Uh, Brendan, who does a bunch of SEO stuff, which is awesome. Uh, Kristen, who's a new ish waymer, who's doing a bunch of Pinterest stuff. Like none of them are teaching how to start online business things. Right. They're all going in their own different silos and they're just using teaching what we've skill. learned yeah to go about that way. Yeah. And, and I think that that for me, we have tons of stories like that. And that becomes the thing for me where I go, great. We're not just teaching people how to teach people how to teach people. <laughs> yeah. We're showing them, you have a skill, you have something you're interested in. Here's how to create a content strategy. Here's how to do all these different things around that, that build that into a business right. that works for you. That doesn't require you to find more people who just want to learn how to do the thing. Exactly. So, you know, that's all a roundabout way of saying is that there's a lot of imposter syndrome in any way that you sell anything. And I think for us, one of the things that we've just tried to get over is to realize, A, we are teaching tangible things. B, 
we are seeing our customers have results, which is always great. And C, we know at the end of the day, we're not just selling the dream. If anything, we really like to say we're selling the reality. Right. So this is about not about making six figs in your next launch. This is not about living on a, you know, a beach resort. I don't know why you'd live on a beach resort. You'd live on a beach, maybe at a resort. Which yeah, I think so. would be really expensive. Uh, but it's not about that. It's about defining what matters to you and then figuring that out. Yeah, and, and being very honest about the hard work and the uncertainty that comes along with that and not just trying to make it sound easy so that people will click the buy button. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think our last thing is where we currently are with Wayne and our fears, and then we'll get into our personal oh, fears, right? Went away. Well, it's a good thing I have a memory. Is like, it, you just completely gone? How did I delete that? Uh, Guys, we had notes here and it's just like, probably cause you left your phone open and you pressed random buttons when it was open. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I know the thing that we have with Wayne, which my fear that I can bring up. Yeah. You, you want to come back around or? Got it. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great. There's a recently deleted folder oh, in Oh, very notes. nice. Can you adjust your microphone? You've gone slouch. Nope. Well, it's because nope. my back hurts. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I mean, just need to adjust your microphone. Nope. 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 Yeah. Here we go. We're just, this is us <laughs> this listening is the, to Carol uh, Twist Knobs. Once, once an episode. Carol uh, mic adjustment, snubs. and yeah. you just were witness to that. Yeah, because otherwise, there's a mic that covers the half your face, and I can't see you. I know. You want to see my face. Wow. I do. Stop yeah. being so obsessed with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to podcast to your eyebrows. Uh, so my nice biggest eyebrows, fear right? with Wayne uh, in the beginning, which has subsided, which is really nice that it's subsided finally. Yeah. It's taken two years, but it's subsided. Yeah. Is thinking that everyone's going to cancel. Uh-huh. Is that we have this membership, we have this recurring, people get charged every month, and every time they get charged, I'm just thinking that they're all going to cancel. Yeah. They're going to be like, screw these zooks. I'm not getting any value. They're just selling me the dream. It, so it has subsided? Because this has yeah, been like sure. a very yeah, yeah. early on thing. No, no, it has subsided. Why do you think – so this is one area where for some reason – you have this like very present fear. I know it's because you see the things. Like yeah, you see the cancellations. Yeah. But I just am like, for some reason, it has never plagued me. Yeah. So I'm the, just like, yeah, people come and then they go. And the difference too is like, if someone cancels Tea Tree, I don't care at all. Yeah. I've never cared. It doesn't bother me because it's not really tied to me. Right. It doesn't feel personal. Exactly. Wayne is us. Yeah. So them hitting cancel is like them canceling us. Unsubscribe on <laughs> yeah. you. And it and it really unfriended. And it and it made me feel like we just weren't doing enough for them. Of course. And that's just where you have your own shit that you got to deal with, where you're, it's it's not about you. Yeah. It's about them having something in their life or them realizing they're going on a different path. Yeah. And that's why with every single person who cancels, I always ask why so that I can find out, okay, what, what are we seeing from people? And I think that's what did it is over time, you I asked. kept asking and never once, I mean, maybe once it was like, oh, I'm not getting the value I thought I would get. Yeah. But again, it's one versus we've had 700 people now go through Wayman and all the different iterations. Mm -hmm. And so if I just compare it, like I would tell anybody else to, I'm not going to listen to that and like make that, a, uh, have something that really affects me. Yeah. Everyone else though has said like, oh, it's not a good time or, oh, I thought I was going to on this path, but I'm not, or, oh, money got tight and things got tough. And, you know, we had... I thought we were going to have a lot more people cancel when COVID happened. And because, you know, listen, a business coaching program, especially if you're currently working a job and you're trying to transition, like that was a lot of our people or that is a lot of our people. Maybe Wayne is the first thing that you cut, but we really only had like five people cancel, yeah. which was surprising to me. I really honestly, with like 200 active paying customers, I thought it was going to be like 50 which is going to be a big blow for us. And we were very fortunate that it didn't happen. And I think that just speaks to the fact that we do provide a lot of value that people see this is worth paying for. Yeah. That reminded me of something that Brene Brown teaches and talks about all the time, which is like, and I think this is loosely tied into the fear thing, but she talks about 
kind of the story I'm telling myself often. And I think that's a way of acknowledging your fears and then digging into what is the narrative that you're building around this fear that is perpetuating it and how can you bring that into the light? So she talks about it in through the lens of like interpersonal relationships of like if I was making up in my head that like, oh, you're resenting me because I didn't do the dishes and blah, blah, blah. And that's why you huffed and puffed when you just went to the bedroom and blah, blah, blah. Then if I'm afraid of that, then all I have to say is, hey, uh, the story that I'm making up right now in my head is that you're mad at me because of the dishes and that and you're like oh I just had something in my nose that's why I was huffing and puffing into the bedroom and so something in my nose yeah Yeah. and so the idea is like you you are honest and vulnerable about what that fear is and and it give and you bring it into the light so that reality can hit it and usually the story is not what it was as bad as it was in your head and I think loosely that's the same thing that you were doing with the cancellation thing right is like okay the story I'm making in my head is that we're not good enough Wayne is terrible people hate it like blah, blah blah but by saying like hey why did you actually cancel you're bringing it into the light and you're showing yourself what is the reality versus the story and that can help you over time sub- kind of subside the fear yeah for sure we also used i don't know if you remember we used that in our relationship like two or three years ago yeah the story that i'm telling myself and and i think we continue to use I, it. We, we do just it. Don't we just, say that yeah, yeah we don't use the language anymore yeah. i'll just like, be like you're making me feel like there's something inside of me we did it last night i think we had a really that's good on fire <laughs> okay i think we had a good uh couples combo last night yeah sure that, i mean that i, we huffed, that a lot. I huffed in bed with things in my nose but yeah it was okay. like the story i'm telling myself is okay all right so that's when for do you have any fears with Wayne? yes the the last one that i wanted to talk about which i think some people will be able to relate to is when you brought this idea to me of hey instead of our separate businesses made vibrant and jason does stuff let's combine them let's create a whole new brand let's do this together my biggest fear was just around this idea that like, what if it's the wrong move? Mm-hmm. And I think what I meant by that is like, what if we don't like it? What if it doesn't work? What if, you know, everybody was here for either just me or just you. And when we, you know, bring it together, they don't feel like it's some, I don't know, something like as, as potent as it was before. And so they leave yeah. and they don't want what we're doing together. And my biggest fear was around like it felt like such a big decision to combine our businesses and something that couldn't be changed or evolved. And so I was just so afraid of maybe choosing the wrong thing and I don't know, having to undo it and look flaky or, you know, anything like that. And I think what I finally came to was what you talk about a lot, which is like we have this idea like making a decision is permanent and it yeah. so rarely is permanent. Yeah. And it feel, the, I think the reason that it feels that way is because it will be a big impact on our lives. It'll be a lot of work we have to do. It'll be a lot of undoing work. It'll be a lot of, you know, damage control, quote unquote, if you will, to like email our audience and be like, hey, sorry, we screwed up. Like we tried to be better together, but we're better <laughs> apart. <laughs> and, and that's oh, the thing God. that we would have to do a lot of work for. But I think from everybody else, because we've we've seen it, we've all collectively seen other people change and then maybe go back and whatever. And when you look at it from the outside, you're like, oh, yeah, they just kind of like tried a thing and then went back and it wasn't a big deal. But for you as the person doing that, it's so many things you have to work through and hula hoops you got to jump through, which is weird to do. But yeah, you're doing it. It's actually spinning. Now, I've I've heard about hoops you jump through, but not hula hula hoops. hoops. Yeah, they're the weighted ones, too. Yeah. (laughs) You guys ever tried the weighted ones? Those hurt. I've never tried that. Oh, really? That, that sounds painful. Oh, it hurts. Yeah, that's too yeah. much. People that do the weighted ones, they have really strong obliques. Obliques. Yeah, I'm working on that with Ring Fit. I'm uh-huh. doing my side bends with tip. 
yeah. He goes too fast. But I do think that's a really good fear to bring up because I think a lot of people, when they are trying to look at going in a new direction, so mm-hmm. maybe you're going from client, maybe you're going from a full-time job to starting your own freelance business. Maybe you're going from a freelance client business to digital products. Maybe you're going from digital products to memberships or software or whatever jump you're making. I think all of that can feel like, oh, what if I do it wrong? What if I need to change this and go back? Is everyone going to think I'm flaky or you know whatever? None of it matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it matters to you, and it's going to be, again, it's going to be work for you. Mm-hmm. But from the outside looking in, I really don't think that people are going to care, and I don't think they're going to notice. Yeah, and like I said, most things are not permanent. And even if they are, here's the thing that I've learned that's helped a lot with my fear, especially fears around this like wrong move thing, like making the wrong decision, is you have to shift your attention to your own to developing your own confidence and in, in your own capability because this this kind of goes back to the anxiety thing and something that I've learned a lot through anxiety one of my and kind of speaks to like our final thing which is like my biggest fear in life is that I will have another anxiety spell like 2019 where it's so bad and like I think about it well I used to think about it every day of like that's my biggest fear is- are you currently at a seven I'd say you're I would like say a, a five. five. Yeah. yeah, you're getting pretty good yeah, yeah, at yeah. figuring it out. There's an anxiety scale that we created. You posted it on Instagram if yeah. people want to see it. Just, it's I, a physical scale. Yeah, so that I can share with Jason where I'm at. But good job. I haven't moved it today, but you're you're right. I'm at more of a five than a I seven. I come in and check it every morning. <laughs> but <laughs> I move it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, mm, can you be a two today, please? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is like that, anyone who has gone through some sort of like, whether it's depression or chronic illness, something like that, where you're in kind of your darkest place, I think it's a very natural fear to ha- to be afraid of going back to that place. What I realized is that fear is going to feel like a prison for the rest of my life if I don't figure out a new way to deal with it. And my new way of dealing with it is that I accept the fact that I probably will have times in my life where, yeah, I might go back to that place, but I have to focus on my own capability and my own resilience and trust that I'll be able to get through it. Yeah. And the more I focus on the fact that I can get through it, the less scary it becomes because I just go like, yeah, like whatever happens, I got it. And so I think about that with like business pivots and stuff like that too is like I think you can be less – I think it will help you be less afraid if you trust your own ability to – be your own safety net to catch yourself if you fall to get to dust yourself off and try again type thing like the more confidence you have in your ability to be resilient the less fear you'll have in making the wrong move yeah and you also i think you do just have to go through things yourself to know that you can go through hard things exactly and that is the weird irony of hard things is like nobody wants pain in their life nobody wants to go through a hardship but you never know how strong you are until you go through that and actually what happens is you can end up living your entire life in fear because you've never been tested that way. Yeah, like yeah. I'm actually a less fearful person because I had to be confronted with my biggest fear kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So that's your biggest personal fear. My biggest personal fear is going back to that. Another anxiety spell. Yeah. Like a really bad one. Like in the summer, this summer, so about like late June, I kind of had like a three-week period where three weeks is a long time to be in a bad spot for me. Usually a couple of days here and there that are bad days is like kind of how it happens. But when I start hitting like two weeks where I've just been consistently like high anxiety, that to me is like, that's where I start to get nervous and go, 
okay, am I in for another six months of like something's off and I have to figure it out? Yeah. But and if anything, this this first two week spell after the full spell that you had in 2019 was probably a good illustration of oh i can get out of this i can i can make it through this like yeah and maybe it'll take two weeks but it's not going to be six months totally and i think that only happened when i let go of that fear like when i started to witness myself going down that fear road of like oh my god it's back again shady's mm-hmm. back back again. oh i thought you, know, <laughs> you can pick me up and try again this is the What's part of the podcast one? where we sing oh dust yourself off and try there you go again. thank you yeah so you know two weeks in i started having those thoughts those and those thoughts can spiral really quickly of like oh my gosh, and then I'm in this hole and I can't get out. And then it just raises the anxiety. And instead I was like, Caroline, this is an opportunity to put everything that you have learned into practice. Be grateful for this opportunity. Use it. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to let my thoughts go down that spiraling place. I am going to feel normal again. It's just I have to recommit to all the things that make me feel centered and grounded. And I was like super, super regimented with my kind of what my mental health routine for a couple of days and I was back to my basically normal self and that only contributed to my confidence of like okay if that happens again I can I can handle it yeah all right so my fear because uh I I feel very fortunate I don't have a lot of fears which is a very I think privileged thing to be able to say it's also how I somehow like chose you and all the partners I can I think it's also that one yeah it's also just the way that I think too like I've never I mean, I would have to ask my mom if I was a fearful kid. And of course, I'm afraid of things like heights and like falling and that type of stuff, which are, I think, very normal fears. I think I probably have an irrational fear of going up on ladders. That may be a little bit irrational. Yeah, but I that's just, the only one. But I'm tall and it's a fall <laughs> that's very far for me. But my fear is home invasion. Yeah. And I don't know why this is. I don't like watching things fear. with home invasion as like the plot line. Like yeah. it, it really it's not a healthy thing for me to watch like um us which is the jordan oh, Peele movie. Yeah. there's a lot of that movie that's home invasion <laughs> based stuff but i could kind of detach myself from it because i knew the rest of the kind of like the idea Context, of the movie yeah, yeah. Like, what's but i just won't watch metaphor? like a straight up horror movie that's around home invasion because yeah. it just the problem is i'm not necessarily afraid while watching it yeah. it's that i'm gonna go to sleep thinking that's going yeah. to happen and i would say Pretty much every single night of our lives, I think about home invasion. But the difference for me is the fear is not crippling. So it's not like it keeps me up all night. It's that I think about it and then I go, Jason, have you ever had a home invasion happen? Is the front door locked? I don't know if the front door is locked. I'm going to get up and check check the front door. Yeah, I check it every night too. Uh, So that's my biggest fear is home invasion stuff. Now I had one final question for us to finish this off because somehow we're almost at an hour. How do we do this? We like to talk. How do we do this? We're talkers. This should should have been half this long. We're going to get better. What is the thing that you are most afraid of that the other person does? This is such a weird question. Thank you. What is the thing that you're most afraid of that the other person does? Yeah. There's so many that you do <laughs> because you just have a general disregard for your own safety. Okay. I would say anything related to fire or oh. electricity. Is that okay. kind of the same? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Like, I, mean- I just think you don't have like a healthy boundary. <laughs> As it relates to burn, getting burned. If I want to build an electric car in our garage, how is that going to work? You're not going to. Oh, okay. But like, you just, <laughs> you like, like you're not afraid enough of lighting matches. <laughs> you're not afraid enough. Of using the grill starter. Of the using the grill starter. You're not afraid enough <laughs> of when you toast the tortillas on the open flame in the oven. You're not afraid enough. <laughs> Oh my gosh! For those it of you, really who, makes me nervous. for those of you who listen this far, that's a treat. 
That is a treat. I should have started. We should have started with this because it's great. Yeah. So just in general, you're not afraid enough. Yeah. Just in life. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else? No. Nope. The edge of the deck? Walking to the edge of the deck or the edge know, of our you balcony? Said my, you said the most. Yeah. That's the most. Yeah. Now that I know that it's not that far of a fall. Yeah. I, it's, I'm less scared of it. Okay. Um, yeah. I think you could be safer <laughs> <laughs> with knives, frankly. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think you're afraid enough of that. Right. I don't think you're afraid. I don't think you're afraid enough of driving. Just in general. I don't think yeah. you have a healthy enough fear of what could go wrong when you drive. Yeah. No, I do have I a healthy in, enough fear. I think this about humans in general. It really stresses me out how not afraid people are of driving. Yeah. Driving is so dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So many people die from driving. Arguably, it's like the number one most dangerous thing you can do. I know. And yeah. yet people are like zooming and zooming left and zooming right and not using their blinkers and texting and driving. And I'm like, y'all are not afraid enough. Yeah. Y'all yeah. need to be more afraid. But they're not. We're not. not. We're just driving. So those are a couple of things. Okay, great. Um, there's nothing that uh, I'm afraid of. That oh, you come do. on. Yeah, I something just... that I do that's what, scary to you. What would it be? Your um, lack of being able to put your clothes away. <laughs> that <laughs> really, scares you. It's a. It's a. You know, come I'm afraid on, your clothes on. are going to take over our I bedroom. Think I have something. I don't do anything dangerous. I mean, maybe your lack of care when you're shaving your legs. Like, I've walked in and you're just, like, swooping and swiping. And I'm like, you got to be careful, especially when you get north, you know? Like, you got to be careful. That actually is one. You're yeah. like, you, you're not afraid enough. Yeah, you're not afraid enough. You're a little, like, you need a bigger guard on that blade. You need something. Oh, God. That's probably the only thing. What a weird thing. Yeah, let's end there. All right. That'll wrap up our fear episode, what we were afraid of in the past, how we're dealing with it, what we're currently afraid of, and my lack of fear when it comes to all things matches, grill starters, and open flames. Yeah, and we lumped electricity in there, too. We didn't mention enough electricity things, but, like, <laughs> for sure, also that. Like, right. flipping breakers. Oh, yeah, and that's like, one of the worst you like can do as a human. plugging stuff in. Plugging plugs in. <laughs> yeah. Any appliance <laughs> Plug think, in or unplug. I just think you should be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're, um, you know, plugging there, in appliances. We got in a huge fight about the whole electricity by the stock tank pool. That yeah, was a huge yeah, issue. Yeah. And how's that worked out? Have not been electrocuted yet. Okay, good. Yet, but still wait until the day you can rub that in my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Good place to end it. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, you know, I like to close these things off with just like a nice, subtle ask, and it's not to leave a rating and review don't you dare don't do it please don't write show some respect don't write like a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about this show or, or like what specific parts gave you all the lols don't also click five stars why would you click all five when you have an option to click less click less that's our motto you know <laughs> click less. yeah click less yeah so yeah just all around don't leave a review Thanks. it's not helpful thank you for respecting our wishes yeah the algorithm the algorithm really like when it sees a show that gets a new review it's yeah. like whoa, whoa why would i show that to more people that's a bad idea right so that's, I why see we a review. Don't, that's why we don't want you to leave a review yeah. and not a rating either yeah that would be detrimental so don't do it all right everybody that's it for this show this episode at least not the show the show will keep going we'll be back next thursday but this episode with another cinnamon end, roll with another cinnamon roll Simonin. baby i gotta pull it out of the freezer and get it ready that's too long it'll be bad by then i'll wait a little bit closer all right bye